Once again, Bruce Willis proves that he is a national treasure, no matter what timeline he's in. This week on Rebooted! The podcast where we are recasting classic movie reboots so Hollywood doesn't have to do it. This week we talk about a movie that not only has been remade, it's still being remade on a very successful television show. We're talking Terry Gilliam's seminal 12 Monkeys starring Bruce Willis, Madeline Stowe, and Brad Pitt. I love this movie. Uh, I think it's a classic, if uh, I could throw that term willy-nilly around. Um, what are your thoughts? I I like this movie. It is a little all over the place for me, but it is ultimately held together by the sweet, sweet treasure of Bruce Willis in the mid-90s. With a little Brad Pitt cherry on top that I think is really what makes people remember this movie, uh-huh. if that makes sense. <laughs> Five billion people died in 1996 and 1997. Almost the entire population of the world. Only about 1% of us survived. Are you going to save us, Mr. Cole? How can I save you? This already happened. I can't save you. Nobody can. I am simply trying to gather information to help the people in the present trace the path of the virus. We're not in the present now, Mr. Cole? No. 1990 is the past. This already happened. That's what I'm trying to... Mr. Cole? Mr. Cole? You believe 1996 is the present, then? Is that it? No. 1996 is the past, too. Listen to me. What I... What I need to do is make a telephone call. Guys, welcome to Rebooted. I am Brian Flynn. With me via satellite, uplink, internet, future, time machine technology is Kenneth Trent. Kenneth, how are you doing in these days of um, the days of the 12 monkey outbreak, I guess? Um, Hopefully. Well, wait, how many people did he just... Five billion. That's how many people he says dies. Five billion. For a second, in my but, head, I was like, five million. And I was like, that's such a small amount. We really are living in the 12 monkeys days. <laughs> um, no, it's great. Things, you know, like I said last time, things could be worse. Five billion people could be dead. So uh, this is a movie reboot podcast where uh, I, you and I are going to take a classic movie and talk about it as if it was to be remade today. We picked 12 Monkeys sort of in the the month of April as we're all in quarantine. We are all have, we're in what, whenever this comes out, it'll be like day 65 of quarantine or whatever. Yeah. Um, Gosh. And uh, we picked this one because it, it um, one, Bruce Willis. Mm-hmm. Two, it has a little post-apocalyptic vibe without truly being kind of a downer post-apocalyptic vibe. Um, it exists in a post-apocalyptic world, but we don't spend time there because Bruce Willis goes back in time to 1996 where everything was perfect. (laughs) It really was. You remember 1996? I long for it. It was was the height of human civilization. It really was. I sort of lay in bed at night at times and just be like, man, to feel the ease of the 90s again would be... (laughs) Would be like no other drug I've ever experienced. <laughs> <laughs> that would be my Westworld. I'd be like, take me to the 90s, please. Take me to the like second term Clinton administration days. I just, I just, uh, I don't, what I don't want to be What would 90s world in uh, Westworld be called? 
it would be called Mall World, and it would be all about like consumerism at a at a mega mall like level. <laughs> um, everyone would look like a nine hundred two and O's character, a nine hundred two and O character. Um, yeah, and uh, like the brothel it, it, would be like a fifties throwback diner johnny rocket situation <laughs> yeah, yeah. and the only thing you could do is watch indie movies like richard linklater indie movies or, or like anything with ethan hawk in it i would go <laughs> all right well we're gonna talk about 12 monkeys in a little bit but i guess uh we should talk about some movie news which we don't have there, so no, uh, nothing is being made <laughs> nothing is nothing. coming out nothing so since there's no since things are moving forward but like the news is essentially all productions getting shut down what are you watching in isolation what am i watching in isolation well it's still the same that i was watching two weeks ago i'm still working my way through mad men it's still brilliant i still love it um i'm watching a lot more movies now Mm -hmm. um did i pay twenty dollars to see the way back Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> did you really? I did. <laughs> you of might have I been did. the only one. I have to support my boy Ben. Uh-huh. Ben Affleck. How's he doing? It wasn't great. I thought that movie was great. Uh, my girlfriend thought it was great. We thought he was great in it. In it. My one complaint is that uh, it it I don't know if that's a sports movie. The sports take a huge, huge backseat through the whole thing, and I'm kind of bummed about that. <laughs> I doubt anyone's going to watch this movie, so should I just spoil it for you guys? Yeah, I'd love to know. Do they make it to the championships and then they win? All right, come on, guys. Let's go. we got 15 seconds left. We're going to go on eight. Gives us time for a rebound or a tip. You got this, okay? No, don't just nod. I want to hear your voice. Yes or no? Yes, coach. Yes, but <laughs> we don't see that because he gets fired after they make the playoffs. And so for the third act of the movie, he's not the coach anymore. Huh. So they, the basketball just drops out. It, it's weird. Like the end of act two or what we can call act two is like they win the big game against the big like the rival team that's like really good and they're the underdogs they win that game to make it to the playoffs and that the film shoots that scene as the big sports moment and then it's like full-on ben affleck alcoholism like for the rest of the way and you're like where's the sports <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> it completely just like leaves and you're just like as a sports fan and as someone who's desperately missing basketball mm. i i felt a little cheated mm-hmm. um, i know what they were going for it's like we don't want to tell a you know a typical sports movie but um so if you're coming to it for the sports look elsewhere but if you're coming to it for the heartwarming redemption story there's lots of that yeah that's where you want to be um, um yeah what are you watching weirdly i'm also going to talk about a sports thing i'm watching Ooh. Isn't that crazy? Um, yes. So I asked a friend of mine for a because there's just there's too much to watch and it's giving me um, content anxiety because we have so much time to catch up on things and it's almost like where do I even start? And so 
I asked a friend of mine for a recommendation and he was like, you should watch Last Chance You on Netflix. Have you seen the show? Mm-hmm. Well, I know of it. Sorry. No, I know of it. Okay. So if you have not seen this, um, this sort of comes off the idea that like, if you thought Joe Exotic was crazy, there is a show in which they profile an even more insane junior college football coach. I shouldn't have drank last night. What they say? Rally? Rally. Puke and rally? Jason Brown is a pioneer in his sport. I'm a master motivator. I ain't no regular ass motivator. When you get off the bus, they have already lost the game when you get off the bus when you play for me. Truly, I, I am kind of upset with myself of how much I'm enjoying it because I don't I don't like football in the slightest but <laughs> um I am so committed to these junior college players and their tiny Kansas town and their stupid coach that now I I binged I binged a whole season and like three days because <laughs> and I'm I'm a little disappointed in myself but also I don't know we're doing crazy things in isolation so I'm we watching really I'm watching a football show anything to keep your mind sharp really at this point like we've been inside <laughs> so long that it's just like just keep how do I just keep my sanity right. how do I which keep is, it things level which is why I'm cutting it with episodes of Big Mouth because that'll keep me sharp uh, okay. Shall we talk about this movie? Yes. Great. Guys, this is our reboot of 12 Monkeys. See? More games. Games, they vegetize you. See? If you play the games, you're voluntarily taking a tranquilizer. I guess they give you some chemical strengths, huh? Drugs! What'd they give you? Thorazine? Haldol? How much? How much? Learn your drugs. Know your doses. It's elementary. I need to make a telephone call. Telephone call. Telephone call. Telephone call. That's communication with the outside world, doctor's discretion. Ah, nah. Uh, hey, all of these nuts could just make phone calls. It could spread insanity oozing through telephone cables, oozing to the ears of all these poor, sane people, infecting them. Wackos everywhere, plague of madness. I love Brad Pitt in this movie. Some people were like, I, I think he's trying too hard. I think he's, I think he's, I mean, he, got, he got nominated for this thing. Lots of people have been nominated for mediocre performances before, so <laughs> I... The hate is flowing, Kenna. This is crazy. <laughs> Listen, I don't know where I don't know whether I should start or wait to talk about how I don't like Brad Pitt. <laughs> oh, we'll wait. We'll wait. Okay. Uh, 12 Monkeys, directed by Terry Gilliam, director of such movies as Brazil, Monty Python, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. He just made um, it's the Don Quixote movie. Man from La Mancha. Oh, yeah. Um, so it's Bruce Willis as time traveler James Cole, Madeline Stowe as his psychiatrist Catherine Rayleigh, and Brad Pitt as the insane heir to the pharmaceutical fortune Jeffrey Goins. This was hard. This, I mean, it wasn't super hard, but it's just like, what do we, what do we, how do you remake a movie that is essentially a remake of a short film, a classic short film, that is currently being remade on a successful sci-fi tv show and is in his six seasons it's interesting because the movie is very is very is a specific tone and style and i think it's only something that terry gilliam could have achieved 
And so what's interesting about remaking it is that it's being remade as this sort of, from what it looks like, sort of this like futuristic um, time travel show. It's not that sort of like, cause this, this, this like future almost had this, has this weird like steampunk feel to it. Um, so like it, it probably feels entirely differently. And so it kind of feels like you can, you can do something wacky here. You can do something kind of standard. You can really do anything. Here's a question about this movie. Why didn't 12 Monkeys get the Terminator treatment? Like, I feel like I didn't have the legs as the other time travel apocalypse movie. And I know Terry Gilliam has had his run of bad luck with features, but still, someone could have picked this up for like, they could pick the torch up for part two. Like, I don't know why it went directly to a TV show. Like, yeah, that's really interesting because at first I was like, well, when you run out of story, you run out of story, but you're right in that it does kind of take a Terminator like term and that at this point we reach the point where we realize that they can't stop the virus. They can only try to fix it in the current time. But then it becomes like who picks up the torch? Like, do do we want to see uh what's his name? His friend. Do we want to see like a version where we pick back up in 2035 and um, you know, there's like a whole different set of issues happening with the, with the scientists and like, we, we understand the past and what that means, but then we like head into the future. Like it could take so many turns. It is interesting that they didn't try to expand on the story and left it so open-ended. Uh, yeah. Maybe it's a victim of the time it was made and people just didn't, were not franchise forward thinking at that point but like terminator came out in the 80s and terminator 2 was in 92 like it just sort of felt like we want arnold as the killing machine from the future but no one wanted bruce willis as the time traveler you know or the 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 prophetic time traveler trying to stop this virus it's just, just a little strange i i it was just something i was thinking about like I, and maybe it probably informed why how i cast this weird version of 12 monkeys like i think i maybe i was thinking like so i'm going to cast the characters from the original but i'm sort of thinking like these are maybe people i would want to see as more of a sequel Mm. i don't know it's sort of like remember when we did the matrix um sequels last summer it was sort of that same vibe like i i have to recast the like keanu reeves neo with someone that would play it today like this Mm -hmm. is before matrix 4 was coming out guys um yeah so that's sort of what i was thinking about during this whole thing yeah it is it is interesting to maybe see if like it makes more sense to restart the story or to just be like what's another movie that takes place in the futuristic 12 monkeys world yeah um all right should we get into it yeah let's do it Okay, I will start with James Cole, played by mm-hmm. Bruce Willis, who uh, I don't know how he didn't get nominated for this. Like, Brad Pitt gets nominated because he gets to be weird and funny and awkward. But, like, Bruce Willis is so good in this movie. Um, some trivia from I pulled off IMDb's uh, director Terry Gilliam first met Bruce Willis while casting his film The Fisher King. He was impressed by the sensitivity shown by Willis in the scene from Die Hard where McLean talks about his wife while pulling gl- glass from his feet. Talking to Willis, Gilliam discovered that this part was ad-libbed by Willis. 
Gillum remembered this and was convinced to cast him in this film. Guys, Bruce Willis has layers. Like, you think that he's just an action star. He is not. He is... He is a true thespian. And what I loved about his performance is you watch him. There's these moments where he's talking to Catherine, like trying to convince her of the future that's to come. And he reacts in this way that I was like, man, he's really like being a dick to her. And then I was like, no, he's playing it as if he still has like the brain of a child, like the child Mm -hmm. that he was in 1996 when he saw his own self get murdered. Spoiler. It's a big old time loop, guys. The army of the 12 monkeys are the ones who spread the virus. That's why I'm here. I have to find them. That's my mission. I just have to locate them because they have the virus in its pure form before it mutates. When I locate them, they'll send a scientist back here. That scientist will study the virus. And then when he goes back to the present, he and the rest of the scientists will make a cure. How can we celebrate this man more? I don't understand. It's honestly a mission of mine because I think the greatest gift that this podcast has given me is definitely not our friendship and almost a hundred episodes of this show. <laughs> it's the fact that or I our now- loyal fans. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's how much I now now love Bruce Willis in a way that I did not before. It's 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 scary how uh, I am also like I see this man and people are like, oh, I love Bruce Willis. Die hard and uh, blah, blah, like Fifth Element. I'm like, no, no, no. Bruce Willis in Unbreakable. Bruce Willis in 12 Monkeys. Like the 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 lesser Bruce Willis is where he is, where he's truly giving you gold. He's talented in ways that like we d- could never expect And I think that's what's so confusing about him is that he has done it all. And we almost don't know what to do with that. Like he he did it effectively in the 80s and 90s. And now like he's doing what another is he doing like another diehard spinoff? Like I maybe why don't we give this man a little more credit? Yeah, I just want to see what this guy's doing here. I mean. What can we look forward to once once the quarantine lifts, once society starts up again? Oh, God. The first thing is McLean. Oh, right. That's announced. Um, he's supposed to have a movie coming out. Two movies coming out this year. Survive the Night and Breach. And then What's a bunch of other movies filming. Night? Midnight in the Switchgrass, Open Source, McLean. Looking at even like the poster for Survive the Night, like I can tell you what this movie is about. And it's what people think they want to see Bruce Willis in. I'm going to click on Breach. We're going to look at the... Oh, this is actually kind of interesting. But it's all these like kind of over-the-top action. He's now a little older, so it's more like playing off of that weird subgenre that's like... The old cop, the old detective, the old FBI guy, the old CIA guy who gets sucked back into a into some sort of ordeal. Like, I really feel like he, he can do more. Yeah. Maybe we've already talked about this a ton, but gosh <laughs> dang it, guys. This is going to be a huge just section of us just <laughs> sucking Bruce Willis's dick. Um, he's so good. He's so good. Um, okay, so I like the idea of people second guessing whether or not James is actually from the future, or if he's really this just like a like crazy, crazy person. Um, and I watched. I told you this before the pod that I watched the pilot of the sci-fi show, mm-hmm. and 
it's the same story, but it's visually not the same. Um, within the first three minutes, you believe time travel is real. Like it, it's not. It doesn't have that same mystery. And in, like, mm-hmm. and I think for this movie, that's my favorite part. Is that like, is this real? Like the future and the past and the and the present are all sort of like washing in with each other and like characters from the future appear in the past and like he travels all the way back to like World War One and like he gets mm-hmm. a bullet wound from there that like appears in 1996. It's it's very fluid in terms of like storytelling, which I really liked. And so I wanted to pick an actor who I think is brilliant, as as do many other people. But would read on screen as that he might be untrustworthy and maybe dangerous at the same time. So I went with Jake Gyllenhaal. Oh, I like this. I like I think Jake Gyllenhaal is at a phase in his career where he is okay with coming a little unhinged. Yeah, uh, Jake Gyllenhaal from Sack Lunch Bunch and <laughs> the man in pajamas from the John Mulaney airport sketch. That Jake Gyllenhaal. The Jake Gyllenhaal that's like, I don't give a shit. Like, I will appear in a children's Netflix special. I will also appear in a summer blockbuster Spider-Man movie. I will also get nominated for, like, Nightcrawler weird character pieces. Yeah. Like, he has all these elements that he can pull from. He's a movie star. People will want to see this. Like he, he's someone that draws you in, and yeah. is um, to play this kind of character that's like tr- trying to save the universe, the save mankind, but is also like I don't want to go back to the future. That was one of my favorite parts about James is where he's just mm. like I don't want to go back to the. Why would I go back? I don't give a shit. Like I want to stay here. I want to be in the past. I could live right here. <laughs> yeah, water, <laughs> air, stars. I'm gonna track our I'm going to attract their attention so they know where we are. <laughs> oh, I love this world. They're going to tell you to put your hands on your head. Do what they say, okay? And I love the frogs. I love the spiders. I think that's a really great choice because there is a versatility to him that I think matches what we see in in Bruce Willis. And I think the real magic of James Cole is that he is so out of sorts. Like, they pull him out of the volunteer pool. And I hope you could tell by the way I was speaking that I was using air quotes. Yes. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, that's what was happening since you can't actually see me. Um, he gets pulled out of the volunteer pool and taken like... I don't exactly know what they use these people for, but he goes out into the world and we get a look at how the animals have retaken the world and it's very dangerous. And so the fact that he survives that is the reason that he gets sort of taken to the next level of like, hey, we have a job for you. And it's so interesting because they're telling him all these things like you're a great observer and like we need you to observe And he's kind of believing it and going for it and doing a good job in the past. But he's also so like discombobulated from the fact that he's just traveled in time that there's something sort of like when he's in the mental hospital, you're like, okay, like he's not crazy. We, Of course they think he is. He's not crazy. But at the same time, you're like, "Uh, is he a little crazy? Like, is he okay? We don't know that much about him in the present to really get a judgment on who he is um, until later when he kind of, I think, after he kidnaps Catherine, where things really start to come to get together in the whole puzzle of what the movie is. But 
Um, I think I, I needed to pick someone who was a little rough around the edges and who can sort of give that performance of, is he really okay, but also clearly capable enough to be doing the job that they sent him back in time to do. Um, so I picked David Harbour. Oh, that's really, I like that. I like that a lot. David Harbour needs a win, guys. I mean, he's on a very successful TV show. But like the Hellboy flop, like I want him. He needs to be on. And we don't know how Black Widow is going to turn out. We like we're not in the future long enough to know how how Black Widow <laughs> will have turned out. Um, but yeah, I like. I really like that. Like I get it. You, it that clicks to me. Like, and here's the thing about James is that like he is kind of crazy because he comes from a very crazy world. Like, look at our own world right now. I'm not gonna bring us all down. But if like you wrote down the news from this past month yeah. and sent it back three months ago, people would think you were insane. And like. James is obviously like damaged from the future that he lives in. Like he lives in a cell. Like he, they live underground. He hasn't like seen the sunlight. Like it's a really damaged character. And I and I really like that pick because you kind of read that off David Harbor, and you would get it. You'd be like, yeah, this guy clearly seems like he has like a bear's like strength to him but also like a sensitivity that he was just like a kid when like this all started and you know trying to get back to that kind of thing yeah i think this is a great pick good job great job thank you so much i think that's actually a huge a huge reason why this movie would still resonate today is that like the whole harbinger of disaster thing of him being like 5 billion people are going to die. 5 billion people are going to die. And everybody just being like, that's insane. Instead of just saying, okay, you might be crazy, but why do you think that's going to happen? Like it really is a thing of like, we're sitting in a world where like we found out something bad was going to happen and people did not listen or do anything about it (laughs) and so now we're all stuck in our homes can't do anything more now i have to go have a merry christmas oh it's crazy Um, it's crazy but it's crazy really happened it really happened i believe i'm a believer uh do you want to move on to Catherine rayleigh played by madeline stowe who did you how did you come up to this character because i have my own thoughts about this character that that you just don't want to say right now um uh, (laughs) no i want you i want you to go first um so I I really love Madeline Stowe in this movie because she has such a soft face and such a strong voice. I love her. I think that everything she does makes sense as the sort of, you know, calm professional who is obviously going to look at someone like James and be like, he's crazy. But then when he kind of, when he gets her attention by kidnapping her, which... You know, 
it doesn't need to be said, but don't do that. Um, he kidnaps her and then she's kind of forced to listen. And so the fact that she like comes around to it in the way that she does, like, I think it's a great characterization of, of her not like the, it's almost like her, like falling in love with him is, is like an afterthought of her just starting to believe that he is who he says he is. And I like that because it's less like she falls head over heels and then it gets weird. Like, things just don't happen in a way that that like we can give her a little more credit and i like that um even though guys bruce willis in the mid 90s i mean she didn't stand a chance so um <laughs> is it my turn do i say it is who your I turn um i feel like this is kind of a bold pick but i'm excited about it i picked gwendolyn christie of game of thrones your face i totally get it but that's i mean that's really huh all right that is a little yeah that is a little out of left field um if if it's these two i'm gonna say something a little gross but i would like to see a sex scene between these two large humans that just uh you know i think we were denied Oh no! They, she did have a sex scene. She in Game did. Of Thrones. Her and Jamie had some some sexy time on Game of Thrones, but um, but like we were all rooting for her and uh, Tormund, so oh, we kind of missed out on that on the the kind of. And this is an opportunity to get that back. Um, <laughs> she is one of those actresses, though, that I think people like. I what I don't want for her is that she makes such an impression in a singular place because i mean granted she did star wars as well and so that's huge but it's kind of like she is so capable and good like she could continue having a really successful film career and i just don't want people to be like to feel like they can't find a place for her which i think could potentially be um a problem of people just not feeling like they can slot her into a typical uh female lead role but I think this is a great place for her where like she can be strong and smart and professional, but also sort of falling into this relationship. Like I, I, I like this for her. Like she has shown herself to be strong and soft at the same I think time. This, yeah. I, I, I'll buy it. I think uh, if you picked a very out of left field choice, I picked a very safe choice. Okay. Like I, kept, you were saying this earlier. Like I, the love story between these two people is a little strange, but I was so I was kind of like, well, how do you update their relationship in some way? And then I watched the pilot of the TV show, and in that she's like a virologist, and she's sort of like more like um, tuned into the the biology of of the mm-hmm. virus and what's going to happen. And <clears throat> I don't know. After a while, I just kept thinking like I kind of like. How she is now. I kind of like the idea that she is a character that, you know, not that Stockholm syndrome is a great thing, but it's like in the in her believing Cole and in her seeing that he's trying to fight for something good and um, for for the good of all mankind, she realizes that he's like had to risk a lot. And in that way, she's becomes attracted to him. She kind of joins him on this like crazy, mm-hmm. crazy mission. And she actually kind of becomes like one of the best one of the funnier moments is like she rescues him they go to this like seedy hotel and then like a pimp shows up you listen to me 
misunderstanding. You think you can go around me and peddle your fancy ass this part of town? You bet your life you got what I would call a major fucking misunderstanding. Hey! Hey, no! No! Uh, put him in the closet. Well, but take his money first. You want me to rob him? We need cash, James. She's starting to be on the run with yeah. him, and um, but I picked a very safe choice. I picked Rebecca Hall, the actress who Ooh. looks like every other actress to me. Great. Um, <laughs> I still don't understand that, but that's a great choice. And she, this is sort of a uh, not too far of a departure from her character in the town, mm-hmm. um, but uh, slightly different. I think you know, in a way that it's like she. I think in the town, she's someone who sort of just falls in love with the criminal element immediately. And I think in this, it's like she's being dragged through this by this like insane person. And then suddenly things don't add up anymore. She's like, you know, finds that the bullet she takes out of James's leg is from like 1917. And that like the man in her photo in her book is like talking to Cole and she's like, holy shit, he's like fucking right. And, and I think that, uh, I think this is just where Rebecca Hall kind of lives. Like this is her lane, so to speak. Um, so uh that's what it's a good lane though like it's a good lane for her to be in because she is one of those actresses that could ease like you can slot her in as a scientist and you're like a hundred percent but you also need someone who when they start to fall for the madness and realize that there's truth to it that you're also like she this you're right like that scene where there's something a little manic about her like getting into the lifestyle and being like take his money we're on the run (laughs) like you you do you have to believe that like she hasn't turned insane she's just finally like living she's finally living in the truth you know <laughs> um yeah it's actually one of my favorite my i think my favorite part of this movie is when james has kidnapped her and he's drive she's they're driving from like new york to philadelphia and they get there and james is like stop the car stop the car and he gets out and he's like ripping all the the posters off the wall, street wall and he's like look 12 monkeys 12 monkeys and Catherine's just sitting there like just drive off just drive away and yeah. you're free and she she just is like white knuckling and she doesn't and she gets out of the car and you're just like like that is so that is such a great <laughs> movie moment like it just sells it so well. Wait, stop, stop here. Stop the car. Stop, right here. I was right. They're here. You see, you see, 12 monkeys. 12 monkeys. You believe me now? Come on. I love it. I think this movie's great. If you guys haven't seen this movie, it Dana never saw this movie. She was confused about it. She enjoyed it, but she was like, it was a little weird. <laughs> I think it's great. All right. Okay. So, Brad Pitt. The the eclectic, insane Jeffrey Goins, played by Academy Award winner. Yeah. Brad Pitt. Yes, it happened. Um, okay. So, I will be the first to say that I'm not a huge Brad Pitt fan. I don't think it's anything... It's not like I don't think he's a good actor actor i'm just not a fan of the character that he generally plays um and so i think to me watching this i was just kind of like 
he's in like a weird Disney movie. Like he's like a, a weird Disney movie. Yeah. Like I kept watching his performance and in my head I was like, this is okay. I don't know who's going to understand this. I know you won't most likely, <laughs> but there's a Disney movie called don't look under the bed. And it's about, um, <laughs> I definitely don't know this. What it's you're about, talking about. Um, imaginary friends and how, when you stop believing in your imaginary friends, they become boogeymen and so there's like there's a uh what's his name eric ty hodges is that his name who plays a uh a an imaginary friend who is slowly becoming a boogeyman and there's so many things about their the performances that are so similar that in my head i was like he is Larry, the imaginary (laughs) friend from Don't Look Under the Bed. And it just feels like he's doing something that isn't like he's it feels like he's trying to be an actor. Ah, I get it. I see what you're up to. It's your old plan, isn't it? What plan? Yes, you do. We were in the day room watching television, and you were all upset about the desecration of the planet, which I understand. But then you said to me, "Wouldn't it be great if there was a germ or a virus that would wipe out all of mankind, no. like the animals no. from the trees?" That no, was so you're just funny, trying to confuse man. me. Now. So funny. And I told you my father was this famous virologist, and you said, "Hey, he can make a germ, and we can steal it." We live underground. And here's the thing: this is early in his career. I I don't know if you read this in the trivia, but this movie came out after several hits that made him a little bit more of a movie star, but it was mm-hmm. it was made before then. And so he was fairly unknown at this time. Um and so it's it's I can see that. I can see that being sort of like he at a different point in his career he would have played this with a different kind of energy. But for me, I'm not sure it works. See, I back to you. Um I can see that this performance is over the top. Mm-hmm. Um, a more experienced actor at the time probably could have delivered a more nuanced, crazy. Um, I, I, the thing I think I like about it, weirdly, is that he's trying. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think. That in in some regards it, it works for me because I believe this character, um, like in a weird way, this character sort of it com- he comes from privilege, right? He is the son of a wealthy like pharmaceutical company. His father is like this very important man, and I feel like the an extension to uh, Jeffrey's insanity and particularly how Brad Pitt plays it is that it's really more like a cry for attention than actual mental illness. Does that Mm -hmm. make sense? Yeah. So in a way, the performance aspect of it makes sense to me because he's sort of like a character who's trying to be smarter than he is. He's trying to be crazier than he is. He's trying to prove that he is a genius and he's probably done some violent and and stupid things to do it. And that's yeah. why he's in this place. And I think in that way, that's how, why I enjoy Brad Pitt. Um, I, um, and it's just weird to see someone who, like, two-time sexiest man of the year <laughs> stretch his wings. So, I, I, you know what? I like it. I think that's a, I think that's a fair read. And it makes me think about it a little differently. 
Um, but also, but also no. <laughs> no. <laughs> Um, okay, I'll just tell you who I picked. Um, I didn't end up picking like another sexiest man of the year to try and stretch his wings. I did end up picking a, an actor who is very well known mm-hmm. um, and has for his whole career tried to get out of the roles that we pigeonholed him in. Okay. So I, I went with Jonah Hill. Okay. Brad Pitt's best friend. So he could <laughs> right. lean on Brad for, you know, acting notes tips so to speak um but i just wanted to pick an actor who would be different than brad like the tv show does a very different version of this as well um but i think you have to distance yourself from brad pitt's performance whether you like Mm -hmm. his performance or not i think you have to try and do something different yeah and i think jonah hill for his like ever since super bad has been like i have to do something different or else i'm just going to be Kevin James for the rest of my life. Yeah. And um, I think he's done a really good job. And I think something like this might be really interesting to see him do. I think I told her about the Army of the Twelve Monkeys. Uh, Impossible. Do you know why? Do you know why? Because you pathetically ineffectual and, and pusillanimous pretend friend to animals. I'll tell you why. Because when I had anything to do with her six years ago, there was no such thing. I hadn't even thought of it. Then how come she knows what's going on? I think this is a great choice. I'm thank you. I'm I'm definitely reconsidering how I was looking at the character because I think that's very fun. Thank you. Yeah, now I'm like, oh my my movie is just so different. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. It's totally um, fine. Because for my Jeffrey, I picked Rami Malik. Dude, I almost picked him. So yeah, I get it. But the thing about Rami Malek is that he's already played, he always sort of, I don't know. He, I love Rami Malek. Although I didn't see Bohemian Rhapsody. It would be a different kind of crazy. And I think that's okay. But also there was something about the sort of like the manic energy of, I don't know. I think if you just cut him loose a little bit in this movie, you might get something magical. Yes, I see uh, another victim of quarantine is No Time to Die was supposed to come out like three weeks ago or something like yeah. that, R. a R. month P. ago. Or Actually, um, I think it was supposed to be this this weekend, this week? next weekend. It was early April. So I was very curious to see like how his performance in that would be like I'm very familiar with the like Mr. Robot kind of mm-hmm. stoic uh, performance. I... Um, he obviously has like a very interesting look that, you know, that you kind of, you know, you def- you default to being like this guy kind of looks crazy or eccentric. Like, um, so I get it. I think I, I would definitely be interested to see what he would do with this. Like, I don't think yeah. he would be the off the wall cartoon character that Brad Pitt is. But yeah. I don't want him to be the stoic Mr. Robot. Like, we've already seen that. So, like, it would be super cool to see, like, what would he do with this? Like, how would he portray Jeffrey Goins's sort of insanity? Yeah. It's sort of like, how 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 do different actors play the Joker? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And you can live it. You can live in different niches, but sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't work. Like, it, it's just an interesting character to to take up. 
And it's like it's like acting drunk, like acting like acting out mental illness is not easy. <laughs> That's a very good point. Yeah. Acting, acting drunk, drunk is very. Is, and it can be so bad. And so it can be really bad. You kind of are rolling the dice, even I think with good actors of like, how's this going to go? And I, I, I think and I think you're right, too. I'm fascinated to see how No Time to Get to Die goes, because there is something that make feels very easy about a villainous turn for him and so i i think that's kind of where my mind went with this was i was like i can see him maybe just seeming like because we just we have to believe he's crazy and then we find out that like ultimately he can function in society but it will cause disastrous things to happen even if it's on sort of a weird like not global level i don't have the code anymore, Jeffrey. I don't have access to the virus. I took myself out of the loop. Too late. Too late. We got plans for you, Dad. I never let myself believe it. Now I know it's true. Jeffrey, you're completely insane. <laughs> nice. I I like that pick. I think we did a great job. I yeah. think this is a movie people would rewatch. It's just weird because it's already a television show, and I don't know anyone who's watching it. But it's on like season yeah. six. Yeah, that that was shocking to me when you said season six because I was like, who? <laughs> people are watching this. Great. I guess. Um, let's get to the most important person in our lives, in your lives. For this podcast, for cinema in general. Guys, Mm -hmm. where does Barry Pepper go? I'm cast him as Dr. Peters, played by David Morse. Ooh. I cast him. The villain? He is the ultimate villain. Um, Not like we shouldn't have been able to tell with that ponytail. Um, I picked Lieutenant Halperin, played by. Christopher Maloney. Oh, yeah, Christopher Maloney shows up like 40 minutes in. A young Chris Maloney, like a very young Between Chris Maloney. this and Junior, we have now had two Chris Maloney appearances. I bet if we go back, there's probably more, but I, for you're right. It, in the last like two months, Chris Maloney has showed up. Yeah. We should do a Chris Maloney jam. I don't know what what movies he's, he's in, but. It, does he do movies? He had that TV show for a while. Where, like, Patton Oswalt was his, like, imaginary friend or whatever? He's in, like, Wet Hot American Summer. Oh, right. That's true. Oh, that's so good. Happy is the TV show. Harold and Kumar go to White Castle. Yeah. Why isn't he in movies more? This is an event. Oh, he's in Man of Steel. Classic. Oh, boy. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, he's done a ton of TV, but I say we get this man in more movies. I agree. The General's Daughter. No, that's Madeline Stowe. I was on Madeline Stowe's IMDb. I was like, <laughs> Chris Maloney's in The General's Daughter? We have to watch The General's Daughter. Um, I really like that movie, but it's hard to watch. Uh, I don't have any notes for this movie. I think it's great. It's already been remade. I don't know how we would shift it. I would just say this, if I'm answering the remake question, I would like to see a sequel of some kind. I, and I think maybe the yeah. TV franchise would help give it a boost. I think there's just more here. And I think in a world where using 
the Terminator series as an example for this, like as something that had sequels on sequels and then a reboot and then more sequels. Like, it's sort of one of those things where maybe I think I agree, like maybe we don't do a reboot of this. Maybe we do a sequel of this. Maybe we create a world around this. And instead of doing a show, we just do like event movies that allow like great actors to sort of play in the world like it's a it's a fun movie and and i really don't know if you can remake it without terry gilliam but yeah i don't know i, I think that's part, like 50 percent of why i love this movie it's like 50 like 40 percent bruce willis five five percent brad pitt five percent madeline so 50 percent terry gilliam like terry gilliam's like weird vision of the future and technology and even the vision of like the past and like uh, it 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 adds so much to this world that I think that's what I want more of, and the show didn't give me. Yeah, uh, for the one episode I watched, maybe <laughs> things are different. If I had kept, you know, I have all the time in the world, Brian. I could have watched more than one episode. Um, but do but yeah, you want to spend I, it on Twelve Monkeys, the TV show? No, I, I I have the movie, and I think that that answers my question. Um, to be honest, it's a little long for me, but I say that about most things. <laughs> Everything. Well, the is happening too long. was ninety minutes, so maybe a tight ninety. A tight ninety. Okay. We love to see it. All right, guys, thank you so much for joining us this week on Rebooted. If you like this episode, please tell your friends. Please tell your family when you talk to them from a safe distance over the phone. Zooming, Skyping, FaceTiming. Uh, check out our past episodes. Check out our future episodes. Hopefully we will not be in quarantine. We can look towards more movies that deal with different aspects of human life because let's not forget there are always, there is more to life than just quarantine and disease and viruses. Uh, you know, uh, as Bruce Willis would say, he's never seen the ocean. We'll see the ocean again. Can I, okay. Where can people find us? <laughs> Things got really sad there. Oh, sorry. I was trying to uplift everyone, and then it just apparently just brought everyone down. So maybe public speaking isn't my. Um, we will see the ocean, guys. Um, you can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcasts. Stop by and leave us a rating and a review. That's the best way to help us out. You can also find us now on Ko-fi, where you can go to make a very small donation to help us keep making this fine podcast. That link is in our description and all over Twitter. Speaking of Twitter, you can find us on social media at RebootedPod everywhere, except for TikTok. Should we make a TikTok? Uh, I don't get it. You're on it. You're, you're, you're good at it. I don't understand <laughs> it i've tried to it's not okay. like i'm uh, adverse to technology but if you lead i i will i will follow i guess okay it'll be a go more girls situation <laughs> all right guys we'll see you next time bye I think to myself What a wonderful
I was attacked by a coked up porn and a, a fucking crazy dentist. 